Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. On the podcast today, I am so excited to welcome the great Noel Murray, an Arkansas-based freelance writer who covers TV, movies, and pop culture for the AV Club, the New York Times, the LA Times, Polygon, Vulture, and more. Noel, it is so nice to have you here today. How are you doing, and how's fall shaping up for you? The fall is, no, fall is nice. It's been pretty good, actually. Thank you very much. I'm here in Arkansas, um, where it has been hot. Yes, uh, but we're finally starting to get some, uh, you know, a little bit of crisp fall weather in the mornings when I take my long walks with my wife, and so uh, we're doing good. That is excellent. I'm in Phoenix, and you know, it's still hot. Like we're in the 90s right now, <laughs> but overnight it was in the 60s, and it just, <sighs> just felt amazing. Yeah, I love that. Listen, any time that you can open the windows to your house, it feels like you're getting away with something, and that you know, so yeah. I've been able to do that this past week, so that's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, earlier this year, I joined in with one of film and TV Twitter's biggest pandemic trends, which was binging the series Columbo. Now that the episodes are more freely available on Peacock, IMDb TV, and more, I had grown up in the 80s and 90s, so now I saw a few reruns and a majority of the television movies that they started releasing following the end of the regular season run in the late 1970s. But this was my first experience with the original episodes, watching all the way through, and I immediately fell in love with the show with Peter Falk, of course, and began creating a sort of mega thread of the series on Twitter. An episode guide meant to refresh my own memory of the show, but it really took off. I enjoyed interacting with all of the Columbo obsessives on my timeline, including and especially you. So for everyone listening, I essentially badgered Noel on Twitter into <laughs> taking part in a Columbo episode. And I'm thrilled that he said yes. He put together a terrific list of his five favorite episodes and also sent me five more great ones. But before we go deeper into those, I would love to know what it is about this character and series that you respond to the most. Well, my Columbo obsession uh, dates back to the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. they, used to, they used to show them on uh, A&E in the afternoon. And there was a brief period of time there where I had no job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was uh, living with the woman who had become my wife. And so uh, every afternoon, you know, she was off at work and I was just laying around the house um, and I would turn on A&E and I would watch uh, Columbo and Quincy and, you know, some other things. Um, and I really got captivated because I've always, you know, um, for a couple of reasons. One is um, I love clever subversions of genre. And of, yes. course, of course, one of the things Columbo is most known for is that it's not a whodunit. It's a mystery show that is a how catch them. I guess yes. is how they, how they phrase it. So, you know, rather than uh, trying to figure out who the murderer is, most every episode, there are a few exceptions. Um, we see the crime being committed. We actually spend more time with the criminal than we yeah. oftentimes do with Columbo. And then Columbo shows up about a third of the way through the episode. And it's all about him trying to find the right clue that's going to catch this person in a lie. And so that's clever. And I enjoyed that. But also it's very cinematic. Um, you yes. know, this, this show, you know, began airing in the early 70s. Many, you know, well-known directors, both TV and movies, worked on the show at various points. Famously, Steven Spielberg, which we'll talk about more in a minute. Jonathan Demme did an episode. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and TV writers like Stephen Bochco, you know, wrote on it. Um, so it, the episodes had like a, a, oftentimes a real visual flair. So, and they're long, they're like an hour and a half to two hours with commercial. Yeah. And so a lot of times it was like watching a little miniature movie, um, mm-hmm. you know, there in the middle of the day. So, um, and then the other thing I got obsessed about with Columbo was, as you noted, Peter Falk and, you know, the Columbo character himself. Uh, I've always been obsessed with um, Los Angeles as somebody who's lived in the South, the American South, most of my life. Mm-hmm. Never really spent much time in big cities. Uh, I've never actually been to Los Angeles at all oh, okay. at this point in my life. I'm like over 50 years old. I've never been. Um, and so the culture of Los Angeles, the the mix of like super rich people and working class people 
Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of great mystery shows and movies are set in Los Angeles. And part of what they do is they try to like show you the different strata of, of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely Columbo does that. It's this little guy, this little working class guy who. I love that. Yes. yes Bringing who, like, down the rich. Mostly. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> by asking questions and by doubting and, you know, but always kind of coming in with sort of, oh, sir, you know, I'm, I, yes, I, I, def- I defer to you, your brilliance. Yeah. Yes, gradually undoing them. Um, and so it's very satisfying. It is. I love the politeness. I also love that. I mean, this was the 1970s. I've been to LA. New York City is the one that I haven't been to and I'm 40. So I grew up in the Midwest. <laughs> so I'm kind of similar with the, you know, I was fascinated by both coasts. They're like life on in the big cities. And I love that about Colombo. I love how polite he is, how he kind of disarms people and their prejudices about him um his little curmudgeon like uh behavior which is kind of a put on of you know kind of playing dumb or seeming to be somebody that they're gonna underestimate and it brings them down i love that i also love that it is again the 1970s crime Mm -hmm. was at an all-time high in these cities but you don't really see too much violence go down. It plays like a drawing room mystery, like mm-hmm. an Agatha Christie. And that was intentional. They also used bright colors. They did want to make it look very cinematic. Um, I guess earlier on, they wanted to bring in the drabs and make it more um, of the time kind of mm-hmm. matching the movies. And so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's just so much to love about Columbo. Yeah. Yes. Well, with the name that creators Richard Levinson and William Link later realized most likely came from some like it hot villain Spats Columbo and a character who was inspired by the investigator Petrovich from Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, who instinctively knew who the killer was. TV's Columbo first aired on NBC in two TV movie styled pilots in 1968 and 1971. The first called Prescription Murder, which came from their short-lived stage play, which in turn came from an hour-long TV episode they'd written for the the Chevy Mystery Show based on their 1960 short story published in Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine was made. Prescription Murder, the TV movie, was made in 1968. A daring quote-unquote how catch as Noel said, based on uh, the inverted mystery format where we watch our unlikable, usually pompous villain try to execute what in their minds is a perfect murder, only to be caught by the unfailingly polite, compulsively raincoat-clad L.A. police detective Lieutenant Colombo, winningly played by Falk. Prescription murder introduced the character to the world and the second feature-length pilot, Ransom for a Dead Man, solidified him in people's minds. But it wasn't until NBC hired Levinson, Link, and company to kick off the first season with Murder by the Book, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary, that all involved figured out exactly what this creation was capable of. To the point that although it was supposed to be the second episode of the first season, all agreed it was so impressive it had to be first. Directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Steven Bochco, Murder by the Book is centered on a very successful writing team played by Jack Cassidy and Martin Milner, who together have had great success with their Mrs. Marple style series, Mrs. Melville. When Milner's character, who we discover is the one who writes every word himself, wants to end the arrangement and embark on a solo career, Cassidy decides to employ what he thinks is a foolproof plan to kill him and not get caught. Unfortunately for him, but luckily for us, Peter Falk's Lieutenant Columbo is on the case. I absolutely love this one. It is probably my favorite of the series and i know it's one of yours as well so let's go for it tell me more about murder by the book okay this is the first one of my five that i would recommend and i want to point out real quick for people who who are newcomers to colombo because i oftentimes get questions about this people ask you know do they need to watch the show in order absolutely not no every every episode stands alone there's very little continuity um you know there's not but occasionally there are references to things from earlier episodes very very rarely very um, and rarely. i would also yep. i would also say that the first two tv movies although i enjoy them both are not really the best way to begin uh, prescription murder i think is very off model for the character the character is not really there yet 
Um, and the no. story is not as well developed, I think. Ransom for a Dead Man has a better story and a really great villain, and it's super stylish. Lee Grant, yes. Yeah, very it's stylish. Got these, these weird, like, you know, visual. I'm, I'm, I'm gesturing with my hands like you can see them. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, no, um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> these weird visual uh, things. Um, and it's good, but it's, again, not really the best thing. Murder by the Book will hook you. It is uh, just a fantastic introduction to the character, to the concept. And um, there's so much to talk about here. I'm going to start with Jack Cassidy. Um, Amazing, right? <laughs> he, is, he is a Columbo villain in, in three episodes, uh, all, all, all told. And he's one of those kind of great, um, you know, 70s TV actors who, you know, it really, the, really the bulk of his career is kind of confined to that era. He worked in theater. Um, he did some movies, but he is mostly known for, you know, being really a TV guest star, uh, you know, in the 70s. He did a lot of, uh, of guest shots. He also is famously uh, the father of uh, David Cassidy and Sean Cassidy. Um, was married uh, briefly to um, uh, the Partridge family. Uh, uh, surely my mind is drawing a blank here. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, yes. Sean, Sean Cassidy and David Cassidy were, were, you know, David Cassidy was actually stepson to his TV mom on the Partridge family. Um, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that, yes. Yes, so anyway, uh, so he's fantastic and he's great in this episode playing somebody who has gotten all the rewards of being a successful mystery writer without, as we find out, ever actually doing any of the work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the motivation for this crime is one of those great Columbo motivations. One of the things I like on the show again and again is that you don't get a lot of crimes of passion very rarely no, somebody, they're very calculated yeah exactly and they, and they typically do it because they feel like they have no choice yeah like they've been pushed into a wall and if they're going to continue living in the lifestyle to which they've been accustomed they it's have ego. to do something yes yeah. absolutely about this this thing um and so yeah in this case it's not like, he, not like he's, he's even going to lose anything in terms of his money he just doesn't like the idea that people would find out that he, he himself is not as talented as his partner yeah um and so he killed he kills the partner in this elaborate you know, foolproof way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, he kills him at a remote cabin uh, after coercing him into making a phone call uh, saying that he's still at his LA office. So that's the alibi. The alibi is that the victim was in Los Angeles at the time, but in fact, he was many, many hours away at a remote cabin. Uh, and then he eventually, uh, you know, uh, dumps the body, um, you know, in, in a different place. And so yeah. he kills him somewhere else and, moves, and then moves him. Um, and so that's supposed to be his, his, you know, amazing airtight alibi. And uh, it almost works. Almost. Until he meets Columbo. <laughs> yeah. And I love here also just like Levinson and Link, who'd been friends since basically childhood. They grew up together in Pennsylvania um, and the alliteration of their names. We have a writing team uh, with two Fs. We have Franklin mm -hmm. and Ferris and Jack Cassidy and Martin Miller. And it looks like it was Shirley Jones. It was Shirley Jones. Yes, yeah. I know. I was blanking myself. I'm like, what was her name? But anyway, <laughs> back to Cassidy. He is fabulous here. I think just like what you were saying in the, the first two movies, you know, they were still kind of developing the Columbo character. He kind of came into his own as the show progressed. But this is just an amazing episode. I love the... Um, cinematic quality that steven spielberg brings to the opening like right away you know this is different from anything that you had probably seen on tv at that point but even watching it now it's especially refreshing compared to like this dulled down gray greenish tint that they have over prestige uh dramas where everything looks the same and kind of ugly um this is really inventive. It's out a window. You hear only the sound of typewriter keys clacking uh, as Milner is typing away. And we're watching as the Cassidy character drives down and parks um, on this, you know, breathtaking uh, roof, rooftop and it pulls back and we're in the office. It's just a really cool way to begin. It sort of sets the stage of kind of like an eerie quality. And I really, I thought it was so smart. Also, one thing I love about Columbo is the way the music kind of evolved. Different episodes have different styles. Like they didn't have one house composer. These were kind of movie, uh, mm -hmm. mini movies, exactly what you were saying. So they brought in different talent at different times. And 
yeah, this is no exception. It's really great. And it takes a good half hour for us to meet Peter Falk here. We are basically watching Cassidy like commit this pretty ingenious crime, you have to admit. Um, and then, of course, Falk is there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Spielberg, it's interesting. He, at this point, um, had been a TV director for a couple of years. Um, he was a, he was the wonder kid, you know, yes. in, that, in that era. He was, you know, the, never actually went officially to uh, film school, but kind of. No, um, on the know, Universal lot, basically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He audited some classes and then he went to the Universal lot and hung around until he got a gig. Um, and then they just kept sticking him on to various TV projects. But by 1971, he was pretty much well known as one of the better TV directors. Yeah. He's he's I guess at this point I would say a couple of years away from from doing Duel. I love um, Duel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Duel was 1971. It looks 1971. Like. Well, there but, you go. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so not long after he did uh, this episode. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, what he does is he he does he tries he tries to you know uh, unify scenes by moving the camera, uh, try and minimize the amount of cuts. You know, try to see how much I you love can that. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some of the better TV directors from this era did the same. I, I, uh, Robert Altman started out in TV, yep. and one of the one of the things that he brought to television, um, when I, I talked to him about it once, and you know, he said he tried to constantly move the camera because he felt like, you know, uh, TV is ordinarily very flat. It you, is so static. Yeah. Yeah. So if you move the camera in and out and around, you create a three dimensionality. You create a greater mm-hmm. sense of the, of the of the larger space. And I think that Spielberg, you know, has that same kind of idea of, of moving the camera around within the space. And so you can see, you know, and we talked about how the, the 70s-ness of Colombo, what amazing spaces in this thing. I mean, you have that, that wonderful yeah. cabin. Uh, you have the, the the apartment building. I mean, the, the office building that we see at the beginning of the thing. We have Jack yeah, Cassidy. The budget on this show must have been insane. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Um, I talked to, I did have the privilege to interview Peter Falk um, a few years before he died, still very lucid at the time, great stories. Um, and he mentioned actually that um, the one episode of Columbo that he directed himself mm-hmm. in the first season, that he got help from Spielberg, that Spielberg actually came down. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yes, and like mm-hmm. showed him like, you know, how to, how to, how, you know, where to set, how to stage things, where to move things around. So, yeah, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to go into this thinking that this movie, that this, you know, is going to be like watching a Spielberg movie. No, it's not. no, it's not Jurassic Park, but yes. oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. But it definitely, definitely has the touch of somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That episode you mentioned was Blueprint for Murder, which <laughs> um, I just read a really good book called Shooting Columbo, uh, David Koenig's book, which is brand new. It was excellent. And they were talking about they purposely gave Peter Falk uh, like the hardest episode of that season, kind of as a little bit of payback because he was he's a very um, uh, temperamental actor. At least he was getting into he got along famously with Spielberg like they loved each other. But Levinson and Link, it was a different story. They butted heads quite frequently. And so he was always um, making demands on his um, contract. And one of them was, well, I want to direct one. And so they thought, you know, let's give him a tricky one. That way he'll see uh, how difficult it actually is. And it worked. He didn't direct another one. But I know, you know, he got a lot of help from um famous friends, including yeah, Spielberg, who wasn't, of course, super famous at the time. But I do love that. I also love um, in this episode just how he stands apart from the other detectives, um, especially at the crime scene. They're kind of making uh, the poor widow of the Milner character feel really dumb for trying Mm -hmm. to explain, like, I heard a gunshot over the phone and what happened. They're like, sure, you did. And uh, just not believing her. And so he sort of follows her as she went to go uh, get a drink of water and then takes her home and makes like an omelet for her. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just so, so just adorable and sets him apart as a different sort of detective. He doesn't have that same um, dog. Well, he's very dogged, but he's not going to do it and make people feel bad. And I love that. Yeah, it's a good way to set him up. That's the first of many times that he'll make food on the show. Yes. Like, it's kind of, yeah. kind of a thing that he can do. I um, know. And, then, <laughs> and then when it comes to the way that he undoes uh, Jack Cassidy's character, you know, um, uh, you, again, one of kind of the standard Columbo uh, bits is the, is the idea that the killer has 
not just an alibi, but also, um, you know, comes up with some motive for why this person was killed. That's unrelated to himself. Yes. So in this case, he has like, you know, an elaborate motive set the up. The mafia. Yes. It's a good bookend with our last one we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yes, Columbo absolutely. The, the whole yep. idea, the whole idea is that, you know, that he's working on a book about the mafia. And so the mafia found out about it and then they're the ones who killed him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and he, he does that thing that a lot of Columbo killers do where he tries to uh, help this poor detective, this poor hapless detective who doesn't yes. seem to know what he's doing and keeps steering him in the right direction saying, look, this is the, this is the, it's the mafia. It's obviously the mafia. Yes. <laughs> um, and Columbus like, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I read that whole book. Yeah, you're right. No, it's an interesting idea, but, and then, you know, yep. uh, managed to pick away, pick away, pick away. One other thing that's different about this episode um, from some of the other ones is the idea that um, we, we have another um, victim. Um, we have yes a second yeah victim yes. and that is as you were saying not too many murders are crimes of passion but that one it's sloppy yes yeah exactly yeah. and that's and you know um there's somebody who is a witness and and or not a witness but certainly can undo the alibi mm-hmm. and so that kind of becomes a factor and that's not very common in colombo usually the story kind of starts in one direction and stays in one direction but, yeah um but that's that, that is one you know that's more of a classic mystery story twist to have a, you know, to have some, uh, some complication that the killer has to mm-hmm. deal with besides Columbo himself. Yeah. And I like the emotional beats on this one. It kind of also is going to pay off with an exercise in fatality, which we're talking about where you feel for uh, a female character. Well, at least one of the female characters in these two episodes, you feel for both, of course, in this one. And that's absolutely the case here. They're tragic uh, figures. And in this case, it's it's devastating to watch this poor woman who kind of is hung up on Jack Cassidy. And she just mainly, as the night wears on, kind of reveals that she misses her husband who passed away. And so, yeah, it's very heartbreaking. And the show kind of factors in all of these different emotions throughout. And so it's a great piece of writing, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the uh, Peter Fox episode and directing and him being stuck with a stupid hole in the ground that he had to shoot because it was yes. so everything. And one of the people that, of course, he brought to help him out was his friend, uh, John Cassavetes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Really a nice, nice transition to our, our next episode, I think. Perfect. Yes. Our next episode is an, one of the show's most famous and favorite installments, especially by Cinephiles. Etude in Black, which kicked off the show's second season. It found Peter Falk squaring off against one of his dearest friends, John Cassavetes, with whom he had starred in the filmmaker's husbands and had also worked with him in a trashy fun crime movie called Machine Gun McCain, agreeing to work in a medium he openly looked down upon television as part of their agreement to collaborate on Columbo. Um, Falk agreed to cover half the cost and co-star in Cassavetti's next film, the now classic Women Under the Influence, with John's wife, uh, Jenna Rollins, who would later star in a Columbo episode of her own called Playback that I really love in A2 and in Black. Part of the episode's enjoyment comes in watching the two friends circle one another on opposite sides and at times barely able to conceal their amused looks or smiles under their cool exteriors, but also with their great co-stars, Blythe Danner and the legendary Myrna Loy. It's just a damn entertaining, brilliantly crafted inverted mystery where the lieutenant needs to figure out how to nail Cassavetes, playing an egotistical symphony conductor, for murdering his mistress but making it look like suicide easily one of the show's best episodes so what are your thoughts on this one yeah this is um uh credited to levinson and link for the story and botch yes. for, the, for the teleplay directed by nicholas colasanto best known to I tv know. fans as cheers coach on yes, cheers. coach <laughs> uh, before, before he was coach on cheers he was a very accomplished television director and, yes um, yeah yeah and um it's interesting because he fits right into the cassavetti's kind of mold here i guess maybe that's the case of falk yeah. having the pa- having the power to kind of you know shape what the episode was mm-hmm. but you know one of the things Falk always tried to to do on these things um is he, he liked to he liked to throw off other actors a little bit absolutely yeah improv 
he kind of learned that on Cassavetti's uh, set. Yeah. And he didn't like it at first. I guess he said he would never work with them again. Like, I'm never (laughs) going to work with you. But then as uh, husbands started wear on, it was like, this is the only way to work. So that's right. Because you create a real sense of spontaneity. So like, you know, he'll hit the lines, but he'll do things throughout the thing. Like, you know, he'll like reach into his pocket and go, oh, wait, this is not it. And then this is the third thing he pulls out. That's the thing, you know, or, you know, reach into a bag and ruffle it around. So that's kind of one of his methods was to sort of not follow the beats exactly and force the other person to kind of react to Columbo, the character, as though they're genuinely irritated. Because you know, they might have been. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and of course, Cassavetes can give as good as he gets. And so you have um, two scenes in particular in this episode that could just, you know, be like Cassavetes for beginners. So it's like, like mm-hmm. if you don't want to deal with the hard psychological drama of a yes. Cassavetes film, <laughs> you can get the flavor of what he was trying to do in the enjoyable, you know, context of a TV mystery, uh, there's one, the first scene where Columbo goes and confronts, um, actually, did we explain the plot here a little bit that he, that the killed his mistress. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so the first time he goes over to the, uh, this famous conductor's house, um, all they can talk about is, you know, oh my God, you know, how much money do you make? <laughs> it's like, that was all improvised. I guess yes. it was just added to pad out the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John Cassavetti's character is, you know, kind of bemused by this, but he answers the question and Columbo kind of talks about what a policeman makes. And, you know, it's just, it really kind of is establishing the the dynamic between these characters, yeah. you know, just for the context of them openly talking about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that the Cassavetti's character just kind of shrugs it off, like, He's so rich, none of the stuff really means anything to him. Um, yes. Yeah, but Falk's character is like, huh, oh my gosh, you have this and this, and that's amazing, that thing over there that you have. Um, this I is know. a thing he would do a lot in the show where he, he admires people's things and what they've done. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always kind of, you know, there's something kind of beneath that, which is him trying to get the measure of, of, of who how they much, are. Yeah, who they are. What matters and what's to them. brilliant in this one is, it was just like added to, you know, as improv to kind of, we need the episode to be longer but it actually fits in with the motive this time because um, the reason that Cassavetti's character killed his mistress is because, you know, if his wife found out and they got divorced, he would lose um, his mother-in-law as the backer of the symphony. And so it does kind of tie in with money again. And so I did like, like that very much. I also love uh, the scene where they kind of circle one another at the um, garage. Oh, the garage. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Hollywood Bowl with chopsticks. Yeah, that's, that's my scene, but, but, but t- t- talk about your scene yes, first. Yes, I know. I love it when um, he's in his car. Uh, you know, you have Columbo in the car and he's. He, we find out later he's looking at the odometer to figure out exactly how many miles um, added it was for him to sneak into the garage and take it to the mistress's house mm-hmm. um, to kill her. And, you know, as Cassavetti comes, Cassavetti comes over to the window and kind of leans in, we sort of see him smile and he really, he shouldn't, he's like almost, he's irritated, but it's also, it's Peter Falk and you can just tell they're enjoying it. And he sort of puts his piece of paper up to kind of cover his mouth. And it's just <laughs> two friends just having a ball. I love that. Yeah. So the other scene I have is is the yes. one that I mean, a lot of this episode is shot at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, you know, great and, setting. My God. Yes. And there's one fantastic sequence during the daytime where they're on the stage, um, and the two of them are kind of talking through the evidence to this point. You know, mm-hmm. um, because I, uh, I, 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 as I recall, I believe that the the that it's supposed to be suicide, right? That it's that's yes, a, yeah, phony suicide. Yep. Yes. And so and so that's the usual sort of thing where well, we have the motive. The motive is it's suicide. You know, she was depressed, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so no reason to even look into it any further. And so Castavetes is getting annoyed that Columbo is is uh, you know saying, well, what about this and this and this and and yeah. Does not doesn't matter because she killed her. <laughs> Why is all this stuff anyway? So it's one of those classic Columbo scenes, but it plays out at, really at length um, yes. on this stage. Because as you noted, this is a, a a longer than usual episode. This is one of the two hour, yeah, the two hour ones, yeah, mm-hmm. with commercials. And so, um, yeah, they they have some of the scenes go on much longer than you would expect, and and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you really you really do get the sense it's just two actors just really kicking it, you know, and giving it, it giving is. it giving it back and forth to each other in a way that is extraordinarily entertaining. Yeah. I mean, the crime itself, when you stop and think about it, like don't think about it too closely because you are thinking, wait a minute, Cassavetti snuck out wearing like a trench coat and big glasses in the middle of day and took his very memorable car. The Columbo file had a really great write-up of this. He's like the most conspicuous thing in broad daylight. Like don't think about it too heavily 
and the flower and the clue, mm-hmm. like, but it's just so enjoyable. It's such a good classic um, episode that all hinges on this uh, carnation, which I love kind of like one we're going to talk about next with, uh, you know, some shoes. Yeah. And uh, shoelaces. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's jump into that one then. Perfect. Well, next up, we jump ahead two more seasons to the premiere of season four, an exercise in fatality, which finds Jim West, no, make that act, the actor who played James T. West on the Wild Wild West, actor Robert Conrad, pulling villain duty as the influential muscle-bound health club guru caught by uh, one of his franchisees bilking them for equipment uh, decides to kill the man before he can squeal about all of the shady double dealing that he has been doing while enjoyable for the fish out of water elements of Columbo on a treadmill or struggling to keep up as Conrad does one exercise after another an exercise in fatality is particularly noteworthy for daring to let Columbo sticking up for the murdered man's hospitalized widow blow up at Conrad and let him know that he is the man he's after. This really isn't something you saw in Columbo. A remarkably effective and vital moment for the usually mild-mannered lieutenant. I think it really enhances the episode along with, of course, all the interplay between our leads. So how about you? Yeah, I mean, typically, um, uh, as you say, Columbo does not let on to to the person that he's going after I mean, it's oftentimes obvious, but still, yes, still with, when, when he's confronted about it, you'll say, oh, no, sir. No, 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 I didn't mean that. Yeah. No, even no, no. I just, these are just things I do. These are, you know, these things bother me. There's things I have yes. to tie together. That's all. Um, but this is one where by the end of the episode, he openly tells Conrad, I think yeah. you did it. I think this is what you did. And this is what I'm going to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I'm going to Con- get you. Yeah. Yes. And Conrad gets uh, irritated early and often. And mm-hmm. I love Columbo villains get there's two kinds of Columbo villains I love I love the ones who who try to help Columbo yes like the ones we've mentioned yeah yes like Jack like Jack Cassidy does trying to steer him in the direction of you know here's what's really going on this is my theory of the case and this is what I very convoluted theories yeah yes absolutely and then the other ones that I like are the ones who just really just can't stand them and like open hostility yeah because what's great about that is that it really kind of gets to the question of what power do you actually have, Columbo? That's kind of what they're, yeah. you know, what they're saying. It's like, I, as a rich and powerful person, um, I, you know, how much of this indignity do I have to suffer? Because mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've got an alibi. Uh, there's a different motive for this crime. It doesn't involve me at all. You mm-hmm. have all this information. I've given it to you. You should just believe me <laughs> and leave me yeah. alone. I mean, how many times do when you come show up in my office when I'm in the middle of work? How many times do I actually have to stop what I'm doing and humor you, you mm-hmm. know, um, because you haven't called me in. I'm not under arrest. And so yeah, it, exactly. Um, it really is, you know, I don't want to delve too deep into the politics of this because, you know, um, uh, in retrospect, people look back at various police shows and they, and you, you can see them as being what people call today, propaganda, right? Like the, idea yeah. That, or yeah. And some of his methods, people are like, that's entrapment. And, you know, there are some questions, but yeah. 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 And I, you know, Columbo kind of tends to a, a, avoid that because Columbo yeah. almost doesn't even seem like he's part of any real, no, he feels like there's some sort of force of nature who shows up. And yeah. He's just people. a curious guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but still, I mean, it does kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I, I guess also because of the power dynamic on the show is typically with, as you noted at the beginning, the rich and powerful who are being yes. brought down. Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't feel much sympathy toward no. them for having somebody who just ru- ruins their day over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, although there are some episodes where I, you know, I do feel some sympathy for the, the killer. Oh yeah. Forgotten um, lady. Yeah. Forgotten uh, lady is a classic one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so but so this one, Robert Conrad is terrible, and so yeah, <laughs> it's very happy. Um, <laughs> oh, you I, can't stand him right away. He's just exactly. like vanity personified. Yes, and I love the fact that um, there are you know sometimes there are just one or two little details that Columbo you know breaks down. There's like half a dozen yes. in this episode, mm-hmm. like things that Robert Conrad just did not think through, you know, uh-huh. right? or that Columbo was able to figure out, like you know, trying to place a fake phone call. Yeah, the secretary answering. And wouldn't that be a surprise if it never happened before at his house? Yes. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And, and using a piece of tape, you know, a piece of recorded tape of the victim yeah. to trigger it, um, you know, having, uh, you know, killing him and and uh, the the killer, changing the killer's shoes. 
which makes no I know. sense. Yeah. The, way the floor is laid out. If you walked across that floor, it would have scuffed the floor. Yeah, everybody floor. who's wearing brown sold. That's that's a really great scene. I mean, this is another one that we just mentioned with the last episode was kind of padded to make that running time. I and mean, there's a scene where he goes and there's a computer printout and that scene goes on like way yeah. too long. <laughs> like does. that scene, it, it's a little much. <laughs> But, you know, things like uh, asking, you know, the cops on the crime scene, like who is wearing the shoes and then seeing them do that. Everybody's like, well, this is kind of in depth. Why is, you know, but it pays off later. A lot of these little clues, these nitpicky things. I also love on this show how technology is factored in. A lot of times it dealt with um, TV or film. One of my favorite episodes, I'm going to blank on the title. You probably know it is the one where he squares off with a Columbo-like uh, TV detective. Yes. One of my uh, favorites. That one yeah. is uh, Fade Into Murder with Fade William Shatner. Oh Shatner. my gosh, with Shatner. Really yeah. great episode. Yeah, and so he did kind of delve into um, the Hollywood scene a, a few times or film, um, things like that. But I love that technology was part of this show. So it you know, was kind of novel playback, which we mentioned before with Jenna Rollins. That's a very inventive episode. And, you know, even with this, just uh, splicing a little audio, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. He gets really fascinated with these things and he gets to get fascinated with these people's lives. In the case yes. of Robert Conrad, he's a health guru. Excellent point. Yeah. And so there's like, you know, you get to learn all about juicers and juicing. He learns about, you know, he follows Conrad as he jogs every morning. I mean, I love the scene where he follows him. Yeah. Yes. And he tries yeah. to get healthy himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely um, part of the appeal of the show to me is like, you know, getting to find out a little bit more about like what it's like to be a vintner or what it's like to be a museum. Owner. I love that <laughs> episode. The, yeah. uh, the Any Port in a Storm, I believe, was that list. Yes, there. with Donald Pleasant, such a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, and th- so this one is great because it has a great villain. It has a million different clues that he has to unravel. And it has this culture of health nuts that Columbo has to kind of, you know, get, get, get immersed in. So it's really a, you know, it has everything that you, you know, I mean, I would say that Murder by the Book is the best Columbo yeah. episode just to start with. But if not, you know, Exercise and Fatality is exactly why people love Columbo. That, that yes, episode it's has such all a the things one. people love about it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, two episodes after An Exercise and Fatality aired, our next one premiered in season four, which is another one that's easily one of Columbo's best by Dawn's Early Light. It finds our detective once more as a fish out of water, yet not because he's surrounded by members of the upper class, as is usually the case in the series. It's because this time we find the lieutenant investigating a murder at a military academy, making his series debut. The legendary star and eventual Columbo fan favorite, Patrick McGowan, plays the military academy's head man, Colonel Lyle C. Rumford who, as the episode opens, sabotages the cannon in order to kill the grandson of the Academy's patriarch on Founders Day to stop him from turning it into a co-ed junior college since enrollment is down and it's the end of Vietnam and nobody wants to play soldier anymore. Featuring the young Bruno Kirby, uh, the future movie star and son of series regular or this was his debut but he became a regular bruce kirby in a small part it's a mental chess game watching falk and mcguin try to strategize and outsmart one another as piece by piece mcguin's story falls apart it's an excellent episode it pulls us out of sun-drenched bright la and tries something different it was shot at the citadel so what are your thoughts on the sled yeah, this is um, oftentimes cited as as one of the best episodes. It was an Emmy winner, I believe, for Patrick McGowan. Yes, you're right. I don't, I don't know the actual stats on this. I think McGowan ended up starring in four or five episodes. He also mm-hmm. wrote and directed yep. episodes. And this is actually, he did not really know Peter Falk, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, before they did this episode together. No, and completely clicked. Yep. And the two of them, yeah, just hit it off so well that he became kind of part of that family. And McGowan himself often said, you know, of everything he did in his career, he felt like he was proudest of his Columbo's and especially proud of this episode. This was the one he thought yep. was some of his yeah. best. Yeah, favorite thing he did in America, he would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's great for multiple reasons. Um, the different location is nice. Um, I think it's used really well. Uh, it is, you know, it, yep. They, they really kind of capture kind of the 
the brutalism, you know, of those Citadel yeah. dorms. <laughs> There's just lots of stuff shot in the dorms where these these dorms just look stark. It's like a I know. cot, and a white wall, and nothing else. And so you kind of understand why these the kids who are kind of implicated in in the crime um, and are are hiding their own sort of mischief and that kind of puts Columbo off the scent for a little while until he's able to yes. get, the, get the kids, get the kids to trust him that he's not after them. He's after somebody else that they begin to open up and explain about how they, you know, make hard cider, you know, to have some fun. In the, yeah. You know, and the um, poor boodle boy, uh, the kid <laughs> yes. that gets uh, kind of set up to take the fall by McGowan. You just feel so bad for this character. Yes. But you can really see, you know, what's what life is like, and you can really see kind of yeah, like prey on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can understand, mm-hmm. you know, the theme of this episode is the idea, as you noted, that um, nobody wants to play soldier anymore. That that the, the Viet- Vietnam era and Watergate and all of that has basically yep. made it made it so that being a a, a, a patriotic, you know, military type is no, yeah. longer, no longer cool. Mm-hmm. So these kids that he ends up had that Patrick McGowan has to whip into shape are frequently like. Uh, people whose parents sent them to military academy to straighten them out. Yes, it's a yeah. whole different, whole different world than the, than the excellence that he used to deal with. People who were like coming to his academy because they were going to go on to West Point and go on to do something great. Here, he has to kind of like whip a bunch of you know, uh, uh, of you know, delinquents. Uh, yeah. into shape. Um, and then, of course, the big, the big breaking point for him is that um, he is in charge of the school, but he does not. He's not his school. And the people who are in charge are going to change it to a co-ed, you know, academy, yep. which just crushes. You know, can't can't deal yeah. with the idea that you're going to have have women, and that ends up being, of course, what what Columbo is able to figure out is is the is the key. And when he looks at the blueprints and sees that there's going to be a um, a women's bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. with no urinals. You know? I know in the He's gymnasium, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, yes. we, we we were talking about the the floor in the previous episode, and you know, one of the great things about Columbo is that frequently the things that he that bother him that he unravels um, sometimes they're kind of flukish like the yes. flower in in the John Cassavetes episode it's just kind of a fluke that he drops the flower doesn't have the yeah, flower and Columbo's able on. to figure it out um, and it was bent yep but the floor is something where he's like something's not right here and it's the pristineness of the floor in a place where somebody had was supposed to have walked across it at some point. So how yeah. is the floor this pristine? Um, and so the, that's kind of the case here with the with the military academy one. It's like you know, yeah. who little saw that hard cider? Yep, that's right. Who saw the hard cider? Why is this? Why is there bits of bits of cotton batting around the can the cannon that shouldn't oh, be there? Such a good point. Yeah. Um, and then why is there a, a a blueprint that has buildings that don't seem to exist on campus? And that include a bathroom with no urinals, you know, something, yeah. something, something. So those, those are the small details that he sees. They're just like, you know, clicking his head right away as um, something is off. And mm-hmm. even not having anything to do with, with, you know, why, how the killer committed the crime, it does have to do with what motivated the crime, you know? And so he's yeah. able to kind of way backward from that and just say, you know, this is this is not evidence that that can implicate somebody in court, but it is evidence that can show that they are lying. Um, that they, yes, and I love that it all starts in, in some of these cases with just a hunch or um, a gut reaction, and he works on instinct or intuition. Like something is off here. He might not be able to figure out why, but as the show goes on, like you were saying, sometimes it's a fluke or he puts it together. But I do like sometimes when that happens, like something rubs him the wrong way. And, you know, an overworked cop all too often would be like, well, I can't think that hard or I don't have the time to chase this down. So I'm just going to put that out of my mind. And Columbo, it's what drives him forward. Uh, Patrick McGowan is unbelievable in this. It's kind of a somber episode. Usually mm-hmm. there's some humor in these. There's a little humor. Uh, you see Columbo, you know, waking up really early in the dorms and, you know, going outside and like waiting with all the kids. That was pretty funny, but overall it's a pretty um, serious episode. It originally was going to star Ed Asner, um, but it was delayed about four weeks for contract disputes with Falk again. And so uh, Asner was just like, I can't deal with this. He was uh, on a temporary break from uh, Mary Tyler Moore. They were uh, not shooting yet. And after that, he just thought, I can't put up with this. So Asner backed out, they brought McGowan in 
And Falk has talked about, as you said, um, you know, their relationship. They didn't know each other. And he said that first scene that I did with him, I just walked in, uh, can't remember where it took place, but it was a big uh, space. He said, I could just feel this presence of another actor, like a good actor. He just kind of exuded this uh, command. And right away, I knew that this guy was, you know, going to be a good sparring partner. And I, I love that they clicked. Yes. And, you know, it was a legacy that went on through Columbo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, the contrast between those two characters, because, you know, Columbo is uh, established as um, somebody who came up in kind of the same world that Patrick Boogie yeah. and his character came up in. You know, they, you know um, he also has a military Merchant Marine, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he has some of that experience, but he's come out very differently. And sometimes when they have episodes like this, the, the person will kind of like criticize Columbo and pick at him because he's slobby and because he doesn't seem yeah. scattered. But Magoon never does that. And the character is sort I like of like, that. you know. Doesn't yeah, take sort of easy just, jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also never, um, you know, he never really gets flustered by Columbo. He's not unlike some of those. No, he, he sort of respects him as another um, like law enforcement type, basically another mm-hmm. fo- authority figure. Yeah. But plus he has a confidence that no one's going to catch him anyway. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Which is what right ultimately, ultimately yes. is undo- undoing though, is he can't, you know, he can't let go of the fact that these kids have misbehaved. And so no. Patrick McGowan's got his own investigation going on into this hard cider. And so and him, ha- him, having to, yes, him having to doggedly figure out, who made the cider is ultimately what 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 shows that he was the one who had to be the be the killer, and it's just you know that that parallel between you know those two characters. Yeah, you know, they care. Different. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It isn't just purely ego that's driving him. So that was interesting too. Yeah, yeah. and he's one person I would say that I do have a little bit of sympathy. A little for bit. Just, yeah. Just because he does see this world that means a lot to him just slipping away. Yes. Know? No, you're so right. Well, one recurring motif or MO on Columbo is the way that, again, the manipulation of technology, something we saw with audio and an exercise in fatality and other episodes, as well as video, film, and recording equipment could be used to help to try to give suspects alibis and aid them in their crimes. And our final episode we're discussing today, one all the way into the 10th season of Columbo in 1990, this time on ABC, as they brought the detective back for feature-length TV movies and a small role for Robert Culp does this as well. Columbo goes to college, feels as much like a new, totally unrelated new series at first as we watch two scheming frat boys plot to kill their criminal justice professor before he can get them suspended for stealing and planning to cheat on a test. Um, As it does an old vintage episode of Columbo when we first see him. Figuring out how to use videotape and a camera to rig their own closed circuit video of the crime scene, as well as how to ensure everything about their quote unquote perfect alibi gets recorded by security. And also using their own mechanical engineering skills to pull a gun without a human perpetrator, even by Columbo standards, this crime is particularly ingenious. But while in roughly the words of Scooby-Doo, these crazy kids might have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for Columbo. Fortunately for justice, Peter Falk's lieutenant, filling in for someone else, shows up to give a guest lecture and discovers the dead body with the killers and their classmates. Then he becomes determined to figure it out, letting their arrogance and prejudice about age, class, etc. get the better of them. The two boys can't resist toying with the detective and fake trying to help them out. Of course, just as the detective said in class, but they were too busy killing to notice, sometimes it's better not to say too much and let the suspects talk themselves out. It's a really entertaining mystery. Why don't you talk to me about this one? Okay, I wanted to make sure to include one of the Latter-day Columbos for a couple of reasons. Yeah. So the, the original one of Columbo was, you know, we had the two TV movies, then we had seven seasons. Yep. Each season is about, you know, ranges from three episodes to five to seven episodes, um, yeah. depending upon, you know, it was part of what was called The Wheel, 
back. Then. I know. I thought that was such a good idea. Yeah. yeah, they have where they have a different mystery movie every week with different characters, and they would rotate between three or four characters mm-hmm. depending upon you know where they were in the wheel. So you know there aren't that many episodes in each of those seasons, and people will oftentimes focus on those first seven seasons because that's where. Most of the classic episodes are. Um, there mm-hmm. are some. There are some bad episodes in that. Oh that yeah, seven seasons. So when people one say one of the Magoons, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when people say that they you know feel like they need to watch the whole thing in order, sometimes I want to tell them, eh, there's some ones yeah. there you, you can easily skip. They're not great. Last yeah, salute to the com- yeah. Last salute to the Commodore. You can ditch that one. That one's bad. Dagger in the mind or whatever. Oh, that God, one. The, the yeah. one. Yeah, the one in London. Yeah, that's Ooh. bad. <laughs> uh, you know the one with the matador not great um, oh my gosh yeah the one with uh, or the um, embassy one yes with the shake yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> not doesn't hold up anyway so um but the 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 later episodes are frequently oftentimes easier oftentimes pop up more if you're if you're flipping through channels on television because mm-hmm. the episodes when they brought the character back in the late 80s um they had a couple of seasons per se uh seasons 8 and 9 are actually you, you know, were shot like a regular Columbo season where there were four or five of them. And then yes. what's called season 10 is actually just a string of unrelated movies that aired over the course of about 10 years, I think. Um, a mm-hmm. very long range. It wasn't a season per se. It was just kind of the rest of the Columbos. Um, but in that mix, they're all two hours long. And so it's very, e- it's much easier for cable channels to program um, a two hour. Yeah. Yeah, you'll watch on MeTV or on uh, um, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. If they show Columbo, they frequently just show the two-hour ones. And there's about a dozen two-hour ones from the first seven seasons. And the rest kind of all come from these later seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I think, you know, people may have come across those more often. And, you know, there's a lot of really, really good Columbos in that batch. There's some yeah. ones, that, ones that are very, very off-model that aren't at all, including two that are based on Ed McBain novels yes Falk bought on his own because he was just worried about the writing and so he yes. asked somebody like you know who's writing the best mystery books and Ed McBain so he went and bought two yeah yes and both of them are not at all like any kind of Columbia you've ever no. seen they're very weird yeah. um but there's some also some really good ones really good guest stars some really good villains uh Columbo goes to college you know the two kids playing the villains you know they're they're basically just 90s pretty forgettable Robert Culp is much more memorable in Ooh, this yeah. episode small as, role but a good one yes as the father but also as somebody who is a few degrees removed from being Columbo's boss yes. and so feels like he can tell him what to do you know mm-hmm. and, and once and again it's the, it's an organized crime you know thing that 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 the that Robert Culp's character is trying to tell Columbo this is obviously the mob, mob. Yeah. Just, you know, just don't even bother with these other kids. This is it's this no. and this and this and this. Um, so uh, what I like about this episode is I like, um, A, how clever the crime is. That it involves cl- closed yeah. circuit television, a remote control gun. So uh, smart. It's really out of control. I was and, trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I like sort of the Leopold and Loebness of the, the yes. these two kids who feel who are so arrogant. They feel like they can get away with this crime. Mm-hmm. And it's a crime. Again, you know, most often these people commit these crimes because they feel like they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those cases where it's like the choice, the, the, what drove them to this was, you know, uh, that they were going to, their, pro- yeah. their professor was going to bust them for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. academic dishonesty or whatever it is. It's, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it would obviously be very embarrassing to them. Yeah. Um, Ego you know. and humiliation again. It's so what I don't... like to call a YODF, your own damn fault. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, so they go out of their way to, you know, become as elaborate crime to kill this professor. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, and then they 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 feel so like uh, dismissive of Columbo that um, yes. they feel they can they can steer him in the wrong direction. And what what ultimately is their undoing is that he happens. To, I mean, he already can sense something is wrong here. But even mm-hmm. beyond that, he also c- happens to see them making fun of him. One of my favorite scenes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when t- when he sees them making fun of him, he realizes, okay, all right. So these are the kids that you know. Mm-hmm. Everything they say to me, I can I can just ignore, and I'm going to do my mm-hmm. own investigation from here on out. Yeah, it's a scene that probably would have played in all of the ones in the '70s, but it's one they didn't include because you know, like immediately after he interviewed, you know, Jack Cass. Well, Jack Cassidy had a disdain for him right away in Murder by the Book. You know, like, well, you couldn't afford this. 
mm-hmm. or, you know, he points those kind of like, it's not the type of thing you would like, you know, like he was always kind of looking down on him, but you know, that as soon as they left, um, especially in an exercise in fatality, uh, the killer and um, his secretary slash lover were probably yeah. making fun of him, you know, being here and being schlubby and that kind of stuff. But in Columbo Goes to College, it's like the scene that we never saw before. We're finally seeing mm-hmm. of, uh, what, you know, jerks think of Columbo. What are these people like? And so I thought that was a really good idea. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, and, and the two of them and their relationship, these two kids, uh, as the episode goes along, there's a little bit of a strain there because, you know, really only yeah. one of, the one who's Robert Culp's kid is the one who really is under the most pressure, um, uh-huh. you know, to, to, you know, get away with this. The other one is kind of like along for the ride to some extent and sort of feels like at a certain point, what are we even doing here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's like no sympathy really for these kids either right away. Like one got in trouble. He impregnated three women in 18 months or something like that. I mean, so right away, you're just like, these are the worst people ever. And uh, yeah, so it is the Leopold and Loeb thing, the college setting. I also like that again, you know, with the mob thing, um, that's a nice little element in there of the Columbo, not Falk in real life, but the Columbo character is Italian. And so they're always like blaming, you know, the Italian stereotypes or these like just convoluted, more convoluted than the crimes in a Columbo episode, but these, you know, bigger things um, out there in the world instead of, you know, ego and people's own um prejudice kind of bring them down yeah yeah and as part of trying to pin it on the mob um they try to pin it on this one guy who's recently out of prison yeah um, who doesn't deserve this right but their no. feeling is this, this guy's a nobody he's an ex-con so it's fine yeah and i think the bus yeah it's it's this guy and it's like his brother's gun or something like that i can't remember it was i think a guy named doyle in this case but yeah it's always some larger thing and they don't realize that real people are involved when they make these accusations yeah what's one of the things that's that's kind of consistent in colombo is that colombo does not throw these people away there are there are are lots of episodes like that where somebody tries to pin it on somebody who maybe you know have a criminal past or whatever yeah he doesn't look down no no he doesn't look down he's like you know everyone's got their problems and you know Mm-hmm. And he often, oftentimes has to reassure them, I'm not after you for whatever it is you're doing. You know, uh, this is a whole different thing. <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about it. You're fine. You know, so yeah, yeah him, his, he, you know, it, it's, it's not overt, this kind of standing up for the underdog and taking down the powerful thing. It's just kind of, it's just there. It's just sort of yeah. there in, in a lot of episodes and, and, uh, and certainly in this one, because these kids are so hissable, um, you know, so, so bad. So, you know, yeah. so, such, such jerks. Um, there's one other thing about this episode also I wanted to bring up, which is I mentioned there's very little continuity in Columbo. I mean, he, there are things that come up again and again, like he mentions his wife, but we never actually see his wife. I know. I love that. Yeah. He, he always has some nephew, you know, somewhere who that he refers to that is, you know, it's kind of like a murder. She wrote another love. Yeah. She had show. a million relatives, but yes. sometimes we would meet them and we would Columbo, meet them. We never meet Columbo's that. relatives. No. He yeah. just talks about some nephew he had or some uncle that yeah. he had or whatever. And this big, long, sprawling family, which we never get to see because he's constantly working. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't really see the police department much. We don't see anything no. like that. I yeah, love like that. I was saying, like, like I was saying before, you could almost believe that he wasn't even a cop. He's just some like Figure. some spirit yeah. of their conscience who's showing up in a raincoat to, you know, in a Peugeot and a dog, you know, to bring yeah, him down. Yeah, he never carries a weapon. That's another thing I love about Columbo. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes he's in these really dangerous situations and you're like, you don't even have a gun, but I love that. We didn't see, you know, Columbo in these huge pursuits or anything like that. A lot of times um, now it's just a battle of wits, very Agatha Christie. That's right. There are a few episodes where it feels like the killer could actually just kill Columbo, but it doesn't happen yes. very often. No. Um, but there is a one little bit of continuity in this, in this episode, um, which is that when he's giving his lecture in front of the kids, he refers to a case from the previous season, one of the Patrick McGowan episodes, actually. Mm. Um, 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 I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, but um, it's one Patrick McGowan plays kind of a political fixer. And oh, he, has a bad ha- he has a bad habit of nibbling on snacks everywhere he goes. And so when he's at the killer's, when he's at the victim's house, he bites into a piece of cheese and leaves Ooh. a distinctive tooth mark that can then be matched to a piece of gum that's in his wastebasket. And Columbo tells that story to the kids. So it's one oh, of the rare cases cool. where, he, when, where he refers to a previous case uh, that we've seen in a previous season in, you know, in an episode. 
Yeah. And uh, one thing I learned in the book that I just finished was very often Falk would sit and like rewrite scripts and look for little things like that. Um, and sometimes he would call uh, McGuin and other people to take a look at the scripts and take a pass. And uh, yeah, I know it would be very easy for him throughout the series to reference other cases or other characters. But yeah, very rarely does he do that. So I like that. I This is one I haven't seen many of these like eight, late 80s and 90s episodes, probably since I was a kid. So I was going to actually ask you if there were any other ones in this that I should see next that you would recommend. Well, that McGowan one is a great choice. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm going to look it up right here. It's I think it's Agenda for Murder. Yeah, Agenda okay. for Murder. Yes. That's, the, that's the one. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. In my list of uh, five kind of alternate episodes, I have one also, which I'm going to bring up here in a second. Perfect. Um, but uh, from the ones that from season eight and season nine, I'm a, I'm a fan of Columbo Goes to the Guillotine, okay. um, which involves a magician. Anthony Zerbe plays. Always good in his episodes. Yep. Yes. Magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, involves kind of, you know, fake psychics. And it's really fun. Uh, Leo Penn directed that one. Sean Penn's father. Oh, cool. Um, Sex and the Buried Detective has Lindsay Krauss. Uh, oh, you know, wonderful! Who at the time yeah. I believe was still married to David Mamet, David Mamet. and, and yeah. it's a very it's a very Mamety role. It's kind of a House of House of Gamesy role she plays. Oh, cool! Um, and that one's that one's quite good um, as well. Um, so yeah, those are the ones from season eight, uh, and then uh, from season nine, Agenda for Murder, absolutely um, is is great. Uh, the other ones that season, a little shaky. And then gotcha. once you get to quote unquote season ten which lasts from 1990 to 2003. That's how loose season 10 is. Yes. Which, by the way, the very last episode of Columbo, uh, if you ever happen to stumble across it, called Columbo Likes the Nightlife, not a great episode, but um, the villain is Matthew Reese. Like, out of the blue, wow. Matthew, Matthew, that's how close, to, you know, it's 2003, and Matthew Reese is a brand new actor in Hollywood, and he's the villain on Columbo. That's this, amazing. Yes. Yeah. I was just reading about that episode uh, where they were trying to tell Peter Falk about raves, and he's like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a great yeah. episode, but it's worth seeing for Matthew Reese. Who Absolutely. I, who I believe is, I believe is actually doing his real voice, his real Welsh, you know, uh, accent in that one, too. So. Oh, very cool. Well, obviously, these were all the ones we had time for today, and I know we referenced some other ones as we talked, and I just asked for recommendations on the newer episodes, but as far as just the whole series, are there any other ones you'd like to recommend people check out or give a closer look to if they hadn't seen them in a while? Yeah, my secondary five uh, that I would pick would be uh, The Most Crucial Game. That's a season one episode. Uh, Robert Culp, another great recurring Columbo villain. Yes, Block of Ice, right? Block of Ice. Got a great, yeah, Dean Stockwell is the uh, Mm -hmm. victim. Um, It's got a great sort of mystery clue. It's very clever crime that Columbo unravels. And Robert Culp is a great character playing an NFL, um, you know, team manager um, who is frustrated with the owner. And, uh, but, but again, has these weird little quirks and habits that Columbo is able to kind of use to to bring him down. Um, Negative Reaction, that's got Dick Van Dyke. Um, very good one yes they were going to bring him back but he he said he didn't want to play second fiddle again to peter paul and i was like ah well i can see it but yeah he's great in that one he's like so so good he gets so mad so early he's really frustrated with columbo from the beginning he's a photographer it's got a really clever crime again once once again um and uh uh you know the the way that this is one where the way that columbo is able to unravel it involves a little bit of like guessing what the killer is going to do when he's placed in a certain situation. Um, and yeah. that's a little, I'm, I'm oftentimes, sometimes it bother me a little bit because he has to really, you know, has to count on the, the killer making a choice that he may or may not make. But anyway, it's still a really great episode. It's got multiple crimes and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. Uh, we mentioned earlier forgotten lady. That's um, a good one. Yeah. Yes, which is um, uh, Janet Lee, I believe. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Janet Lee playing um, a uh, um, old movie star who has health issues and has trouble with her memory. And it's yes. one of the, one of the rare cases where Columbo feels very sympathetic toward the killer. Um, mm-hmm. And also it has, again, technology to a certain extent. He has to learn about uh, projection and how, um, yeah. how, ca- how movie cameras work and how you, how you put reels onto a, onto a, onto a, uh, a movie camera. Um, so it's mm-hmm. kind of, he learns about Q dots and all that kind of, uh, yeah. kind of fun stuff. So that's a good one. 
Um, Fade into Murder mentioned also earlier. That's William Shatner. Such as a good a, episode. As a TV detective, and it's got technology. It's got a um, his clever use of a VCR to record a baseball game. Such a smart, yeah. And rewind, rewind it so that the person he's watching the game with, who's not not at off because he drugged his drink, um, you know, he he can then have the alibi of no, it was the third inning. I was watching it right there. I, he woke me up, and there it was. So 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 Columbo gets to learn all about uh, VCRs, which is uh, mm-hmm. super super fun. And William Shatner is great. William Shatner, by the way, is also in one of the later period episodes. Um, he is in uh, Butterfly in Shades of Grey, where he plays okay. kind of a, a Rush Limbaugh-like uh, right-wing radio host. Um, and that's one of my favorites as well. Um, it's Revan's really oh, good. Oh, cool. But the last one for my second five that I wanted to mention, um, from again, from the later era, from the, the, this quote-unquote season 10 era, is uh, Caution, Murder Can Be Hazardous to Your Health. I heard um, that's a good one. Great. It's good. It's got George Hamilton um, playing sort of an America's Most Wanted type mm. TV host, who again kind of way overrates his own abilities as a as a as a crime solver and as a as a person who can commit a crime and not leave a million clues. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so it's another one of those where there are like a million clues that Columbo is able to kind of you know pick at um, from things like the printer paper that the that the killer uses to the. Um, the font he uses in the scripts he writes to the way the cigarette burns down. I mean, there's just, you know, lots of, there's so many details that accumulate that George Hamilton screws up that it, it becomes very satisfying to see him get, uh, uh, get picked at. So, so those are the five most crucial game, negative reaction, forgotten lady, fade into murder and caution murder can be hazardous to your health. Those would round, those would round out my top 10 with our previous five, which I'll remind people about uh, Columbo goes to college by Dawn's early light an exercise in fatality, a tude in black, and a murder by the book. Yes, there are so many good ones. I was just trying to think myself of which ones I would rec- I'd recommend so many. But a few of uh, ones that we did not mention, uh, Suitable for Framing is mm-hmm. one that I thought was a really good one. Publish or Perish, I believe that is the one that has a really cool uh, split screen in order to um, squeeze in more action they didn't have enough time uh for i can't remember that one's one's cassidy too right i believe so yes yeah yeah it's just a very good one uh double exposure which also involved film that was excellent i think it was called double shock the one with the uh two brothers oh Uh, yes right yes martin landau and martin landau yeah it's such a good one there's so many excellent episodes uh that you know, we would be here all day. We might have to do another installment down the road. Who knows? <laughs> but I just want to thank you so much. This was such a delight. And I learned so much. It was great to hear your comments on these. Yeah, I, I want to read this book. So Shooting Columbo is the name of the book that you read? Yeah, it's new. It was really um, went in depth behind the scenes of every episode, basically. Um, it isn't kind of like a case book. Like, you know, for that, people listening, if you haven't checked out the Columbo File website, mm-hmm. do so. But um, this book is more like what was happening behind the scenes, um, you know, story consultants, uh, all the contract disputes, things with, uh, you know, who said what. So there's a lot to it. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I love Columbo and, and it's been very gratifying to see how many people during quarantine yes. kind of stumbled across it because suddenly there was this show that they had always heard about. And they discovered that there were 74 episodes or however many there are, yeah. um, you know, all long, all giving them plenty of things to do. And, you know, all, almost all of them extraordinarily entertaining. And so uh, it was nice to see people kind of like either discovering it or rediscovering it over the past couple of years. Oh, 100%. Yes, people like you, it was um, Jill Blake, Matt Solarzeitz, Farron Smith-Nemi, and others that kept bringing it up and just thinking that's a show that I do remember those movies, but I need to start at the beginning. And so I had so much fun doing it. Our, our next goal is to get people to start watching Rockford Files and then we'll be, you know. Yes, that's actually the one that people were recommending I go with next because I only saw some reruns as a kid too. So yeah, I yeah. have to do it. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Noel. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Yes, you too, Jen. Thank you. This is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. <laughs>